Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome back to the Muslim Matters Podcast, where we discuss everything under the sun that affects Muslims, such as faith, local and global politics, social media, sex education, civil rights, and family matters, all coming from a traditional Orthodox perspective. Subscribe to our podcast and follow us online on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram on our handle, Muslim Matters. And check out our site daily at muslimmatters.org. I used to think giving zakat was simple. My mom would send money to her sister in Pakistan and she'd take care of it. Or I'd simply sit at my computer and donate to the Global Zakat Fund at the highly reputable organization Fighting Poverty, Islamic Relief USA. But starting a few years ago, I heard that handfuls of Muslim organizations were also collecting zakat money, organizations that I knew didn't serve the poor. I dismissed these organizations as something outlandish and unheard of, thinking to myself, I'm going to stick to what I know and focus spending my zakat money on those living in poverty. It turns out that I had a narrow understanding of how zakat could be used, having never studied it. I didn't know that the crux of this issue, giving zakat fisabilillah or in the path of Allah, is a hot topic of discussion and debate among scholars. This discussion has played out on Muslim matters, and today, I'd like to bring attention to those opinions and put them in conversation with each other. So, what have various experts written about giving zakat to the poor versus Muslim nonprofits working in various sectors such as education, politics, and community organizing? Keep on listening to find out. This discussion will include four articles previously published on Muslim Matters. The first one is called Zagat, Poverty, and the Kitchen Sink. If you haven't heard that much about this issue, the first article is a great place to start. Co-written by Ahmed Sheikh and Sheikh Usman Omarji in 2016, this article is a broad discussion on the issue of nonprofit organizations claiming zakat eligibility. It also focuses on the practical issues of giving zakat, speaking not theoretically or philosophically, but rather focusing on what Muslims should be doing with their zakat funds. This article ends with three action items to address the issue of mixing up feasibilillah with everything but the kitchen sink. One of each of these action items aimed at zakat donors, Muslim nonprofits, and Islamic scholars. This is a narration of the article called Zagat, Poverty, and the Kitchen Sink. It was originally published on Muslim Matters on June 20th, 2016, and was co-written by Ahmed Sheikh and Sheikh Usman Omarji. Zakat, that economic act of worship, often paid in Ramadan we regard as the third pillar of Islam, is increasingly becoming a hollow shell. A few examples. An imam is invited to give a seminar on zakat at an Islamic center serving an affluent neighborhood. The organizers ask him if he believes zakat funds can be used for their masjid construction project. He answers in the negative. He is disinvited. Another example. Zakat is used to rent an expensive hotel conference space so that a panel of speakers can discuss current political issues. A third example. A major Muslim nonprofit spends zakat funds to pay a famous public figure thousands for an honorarium and a first-class flight to speak at its gala. Billahi <laughs> 
وفي الرقاب والغارمين وفي سبيل الله وابن السبيل فريضة من الله والله عليم حكيم Zakat expenditures are only for the poor and for the needy and for those employed to collect zakah and for bringing hearts together for Islam and for freeing captives or slaves and for those in debt and for the cause of Allah and for the stranded traveler an obligation imposed by Allah and Allah is knowing and wise. This off-cited ayah of the Qur'an has eight categories of eligible recipients. The first two deal with poverty, the third is the one who collects and distributes zakat, and the others included are those in bondage or in debt and those whose hearts are inclined to champion the cause of Allah and the stranded traveler. Poverty colors every other category. Zakat recipients need not always be poor, of course. For example, refugees may be land barons but could benefit from zakat all the same. In the United States today, nonprofits provide vital services that are often done by governments in other countries and are a significant portion of the economy. Tax benefits are provided to the nonprofits and to those who donate a recognition of their importance to society. The Muslim nonprofit sector includes places of worship, educational institutions, and service organizations. It employs much of the U.S. Muslim community's leadership, activists, teachers, and other professionals, and provides a system of conferences, symposiums, galas, buildings, and a speaker circuit that educates and inspires many. This is all good. Many of these organizations take special care with zakat contributions and do good work with them. However, many nonprofits have found reasons to not take special care with zakat. The American Muslim community should guard against this. Why you should care. Poverty is a continuing concern, though it is often invisible to the well-off by design. As Khalid Beydoun pointed out recently, a Pew study found 45% of American Muslim families earn less than $30,000 annually. While the case did not measure poverty per se, this level is sufficiently close to poverty for many families. The federal poverty guidelines are not a measure of zakat eligibility. Rather, it is nisab, possession of 87.48 grams of gold, approximately $3,500, which would not overlap perfectly with the guidelines. Around 34% of Americans have no savings at all to fall back on. Muslim community leaders all over the U.S. would attest to the many struggles of individuals and families who need help brought on by illness, incarceration, displacement, or a wide range of other chronic and transitional circumstances. Islam's prescription for addressing these difficulties is zakat. We help each other out as an act of worship. Just as prayer demonstrates how serious we are about our relationship with Allah, zakat demonstrates how serious we are as a community. Oversleeping for Fajr is considered bad even when no social harm comes from it. Misappropriated zakat causes social harm. With zakat, there are often genuine differences of opinion among scholars that should be worked out and standards should be established for use of these funds. In other situations, its use is a clear grift that no scholar could rationalize. Charitable giving does not always help those in genuine need. Indeed, much of what passes as charity in the U.S. is merely giving donations for the benefit of the affluent. The poor are becoming increasingly numerous in the United States even as the nonprofit sector continues to grow in size and strength. There will be fatwas. Some nonprofit organizations rely on general-sounding opinions of individual Islamic scholars to validate their view that their own organization should receive zakat. While there are differences of opinion among scholars, these differences can be exaggerated. Even if a donor is told 
A scholar agrees with a nonprofit that a particular non-self-evident use of zakat is acceptable that should begin the inquiry but not end it. Often the context of the fatwa will be mixed up. A common example is using an opinion that justifies the construction of a masjid in an impoverished or war-torn area to justify an expansion project of an existing masjid in a wealthy suburban neighborhood. Those are not the same thing. A significant controversy concerning disbursement of zakat comes from the phase in the path of Allah as the kind of cause for which giving zakat is acceptable. The debate arises as to whether this phrase in the Qur'an means something specific. The physical struggle of jihad was the traditionally understood meaning. If it means somewhat more, yet still specific, in the modern context, or if it means there are no practical limits. The everything but the kitchen sink approach to zakat has become more popular among certain nonprofits, as everything they do can be viewed as a public good. Zakat donors should be skeptical of kitchen sink claims, even while donating non-zakat funds for organizations that do good work. The relevant verse in the Qur'an, from Surah 9, verse 60, is restrictive in terms of the categories that are allowed to receive zakat. If every noble endeavor can be classified as in the path of Allah, then all other categories would be superfluous. Some Muslim nonprofits do not make public their rationale for accepting zakat funds for their general budget. They just do it. Muslim Advocates, for example, an organization that has done excellent work, makes the zakat eligible claim without supporting it. Calls to the organization revealed they do not know why they make the claim or can't say. They are far from alone. This can be easily fixed, as described below. Inventing new reasons to take zakat. The Muslim Public Affairs Council, MPAC, has been perhaps the most aggressive among Muslim nonprofits in inventing novel rationalizations for accepting zakat funds. The organization cites several categories on its website, explicitly including the entertainment awards galas they host as counting towards those whose hearts are inclined. Another reason they give is helping people be free of bondage, undoubtedly a permissible reason for giving zakat. But what has MPAC done here? MPAC cites their work in the Arab Spring and sustainable solutions for Afghanistan and Pakistan. We confirmed with a call to MPAC that it has no solutions to the real problem of people in bondage in Pakistan and Afghanistan or anything else in those countries. MPAC's work on the Arab Spring consisted of opining on current events, hosting panels in the U.S., and participating in them. They also signed a petition to Egypt's then-president, asking him to oppose proposed wording of Sharia in that country's constitution, as this would violate human rights. Political opposition to Sharia internationally, as being a zakat-eligible activity, would seem to be the logical endpoint to this Wild West state of affairs for zakat in the United States. However, they went further, opining on how they rejoice and celebrate the military coup by General Sisi against the democratically elected government they had previously petitioned. The dictatorship they celebrated went on to commit one of the largest single-day peacetime mass killings of civilians in history, incarcerated and disappeared tens of thousands, and engaged in systematic torture. Instead of working against bondage, as claimed, American Zagat was used to cheerlead a repressive military coup in another country. To their credit, unlike other organizations, MPAC is transparent about their Zagat use. This state of affairs of American Zagat is not primarily the fault of any one nonprofit. The privilege of Zagat funds for expenditures on ornate buildings in wealthy neighborhoods, expensive hotel conference spaces, panel discussions on politics, airline tickets, 
press releases of dubious value, interfaith networking, awards and honorariums for the already affluent, over the rights of those families and individuals in genuine need is a racket Muslim donors have been either tolerating or enabling for too long. A few suggestions. One, donors should be more purposeful about who they give zakat to. Never accept a bald claim by a nonprofit that donations are zakat eligible if the claim is not otherwise obvious to you. In other words, it is for the poor. An independent, qualified scholar you respect should provide a specific, well-reasoned rationale to support such claims. Two, Muslim nonprofits should collect zakat. However, donation forms should allow donors to designate zakat funds separately from other donations. Zakat funds must then be accounted for and dispersed with transparent policies different from general fund donations. Nonprofits that accept grants are already used to this. Grants, like zakat, are usually for specific enumerated purposes and not for a general fund, so there should be no excuses. It's fine to pay large honorariums to speakers at expensive hotel banquet halls or build nice buildings in affluent communities. Just don't do it with zakat. Three, Islamic scholars, leaders, and activists in the nonprofit sector should do more to protect the institution of zakat and the rights of those in need. This starts with implementing best practices and addressing abuses taking place in the Muslim nonprofit sector. The second article in this discussion is Can I Give My Zakat to an Islamic Educational Cause? This article was written by Dr. or Sheikh Osama al-Azmi in May 2019. The main purpose of this article is to explain the seventh category of those eligible to receive zakat funds, anyone striving in God's path or fisabilillah in Arabic. He states the opinion from a majority of scholars who believe that zakat can be spent for educational or da'wah efforts and cites prominent scholars from various scholarly approaches who agree on this point. In a very approachable way for the average Muslim, this article explains how the term jihad has various meanings and how there is a legitimate scholarly difference of opinion on who can receive zakat in the feasibilillah category. His concluding advice to readers is for us all to follow what we are most comfortable with in our own lives, but most importantly to respect the scholars who acknowledge the legitimate difference of opinion that exists. He also emphasizes the importance of educational efforts for the health and survival of Muslims in our current times. Can I give my zakat to an Islamic educational cause? This article was originally published on May 30th, 2019, and was written by Dr. Osama al-Azmi. As Ramadan nears its end, many Muslims are thinking about paying their zakat in the last 10 nights. But what is a worthy cause to which we can give our zakat and, in particular, what do the scholars have to say on this issue? A number of Islamic educational and media institutions in the West have in recent years been highlighting their zakat eligible status. The list of these institutions is quite long. In the U.S., they include this website, meaning Muslim Matters, the Al-Madina Institute, the Yaqeen Institute, Zaytuna College, and the Ta'lif Collective. In the UK, they include Cambridge Muslim College. Some of these institutions focus on covering the cost of tuition for students who would otherwise be unable to pay. But others are focused on running an institution whose raison d'etre is Islamic education. But some might wonder how such institutions can receive zakat, a 
common belief is that zakat is meant only for the poor and destitute, and that such institutions would therefore be ineligible. This is something reinforced by the way that a minority of scholars, including learned ones, might deal with these issues. Last year in the UK, a respected scholar stated emphatically that none of the scholars in Islamic history until modern times had ever said one can give zakat to causes like supporting institutions that promote Islamic education. He asserted that only modern scholars permitted the spending of zakat on such matters in the name of the feasibilillah category, which I will explain below. The same British scholar reiterated a similar view in the past couple of weeks, but this time said that his view was the opinion of the vast majority of scholars. The average Muslim may find such conflicting claims confusing. How is it that some scholars say zakat cannot be given to Islamic educational causes, while a large number of prominent Islamic educational institutions, presumably led by Islamic scholars, are directly soliciting zakat funds? The main reason for this is the existence of difference of opinion, or ikhtilaf, among scholars regarding who or what is deserving of zakat payment. The Qur'an in Surah 9 verse 60 sets out eight categories of zakat-eligible recipients. While people today often think of zakat as being due to the poor and needy, they only explicitly form two of these categories. The basis on which many of the aforementioned scholarly institutions claim zakat eligible status is the category of feasibilillah, which translates to in God's path. Historically, the more dominant interpretation of this zakat eligible category was that it referred to jihad in God's path, or in other words, zakat was to be given to people engaged in military expeditions on behalf of the Islamic community. However, some medieval scholars and a remarkably large number of modern scholars appealing to the fact that the Prophet ﷺ highlighted that jihad was ultimately for the sake of making God's word prevail, have argued for a far broader understanding of this zakat-eligible category. Jihad as a concept is, of course, incredibly broad in Islam. For example, one finds in a sound hadith that the Prophet ﷺ said, engage in jihad against the polytheists with your wealth, your lives, and your tongues. Additionally, some of the verses in the Qur'an that enjoined jihad were revealed in Makkah, where military jihad was not yet permitted. Because of this, a minority of medieval scholars argued that the feasibilillah category of zakat recipients could entail payments made to support any righteous acts, while others argued that the category was ultimately about upholding and strengthening Islam specifically through da'wah initiatives that cause God's word to prevail, of which education is one of the most effective tools. Indeed, giving seekers of sacred knowledge, tulabul was deemed a legitimate form of zakat payment according to all four schools of law. Clearly, the respected British scholar cited above was inaccurate in his claim that none of the scholars, or only a small minority of them, viewed the feasibilillah category as referring to anything other than military engagements. Among modern Arab ulama, the view that the feasibilillah category of zakat recipients can apply to Islamic da'wah and educational initiatives has perhaps become the dominant position on this issue over the last 100 years. This is true of all major ideological orientations, whether Salafi, neo-traditionalist, or Islamist. Thus, for example, arguably the most important Salafi scholar of his generation, the Grand Mufti of Saudi Arabia, Sheikh Muhammad ibn Ibrahim al-Sheikh, argued that the most deserving recipient of the feasibilillah category of zakat was the cause of da'wah and responding to sources of doubt about Islam. Reportedly, it is also the final opinion of his most important successor, Sheikh Abdul Aziz ibn Baz. 
Among living Salafis, this is a position of senior scholars outside the Saudi religious establishment as well, such as Sheikh Salman al-Auda and Sheikh Saleh al-Munajid. May Allah liberate them from their unjust imprisonment. Amin. It is also the position of senior scholars of the Azhar and Egypt's Grand Muftis for many generations from the 20th and 21st centuries. In our own time, this includes neo-traditional scholars like Ali Jum'a and Abdullah ibn Bayyah. While the latter prefers a more restrictive interpretation for the category, he permits the more expansive interpretation in his fatwas. Among Islamist ikhwan-oriented scholars, one finds Sheikh Yusuf al-Qaradawi, author of what is perhaps the most comprehensive work to be written on the fiqh of zakat in Islamic history, promoting such an understanding as well. His two-volume work, which addresses the major debates surrounding the feasibility category in great detail, has also been translated into English. Among younger Islamist-leaning scholars, the encyclopedic Mauritanian scholar and master of the Sharia sciences, Sheikh Muhammad al-Hassan al-Dadaw, argues that the feasibility category may even be used in the establishing of educational endowments. The above is only a selection of voices among those who are supportive of promoting Islamic educational causes on the basis of the feasibility law category of zakat. With due respect to scholars who would argue otherwise, it is clear that this is not only a legitimate legal opinion on this question, but may well be the dominant view of many of the leading scholars of modern times. Our communities are best served by an Islamic discourse that acknowledges the richness and diversity of our great religious tradition, rather than restricts it to a narrow range of opinions. As the Prophet said to the Bedouin, who prayed for God to exclusively show mercy to himself and the Prophet, you have constricted what is vast. Since there are a very large number of scholars who have recognized initiatives that promote the sound understanding of Islam to be eligible for receiving zakat, our community is best served by the accurate portrayal of the valid difference of opinion on such matters, in which members of the community may legitimately seek to follow either opinion without claiming that the position adopted by others is illegitimate. In an era in which the sound understanding of Islam is threatened by Islamophobic forces from without, and extremist forces from within, we all recognize the importance of Islamic education as a central concern for contemporary Muslims to prioritize. May we all support this cause, whether through zakat or by some other means. Amin. The third article, this article could be zakat eligible, who accounts for this pillar of Islam, was also co-written by Ahmed Sheikh and Sheikh Usman Umarji. It is in direct conversation to the previous article, Can I Give My Zakat to an Islamic Educational Cause, and alludes to it. The article is trying to ascertain what the purpose of zakat is, and it explores at further length the limitations of what zakat funds can and should be used for. It once again takes a practical and functional approach, cutting straight to the questions we should be talking about when it comes to the impacts zakat funds are having in the world. The impacts of bubble charity or charity circling within affluent bubbles and dawah as the new jihad are discussed. There is a cry for the need of standards that the community at large and Muslim nonprofits should be holding themselves to when it comes to zakat money. It should be noted that some of the criticism and displeasure of the authors is aimed at Muslim matters for accepting zakat donations at one time. Muslim matters did in fact, accept zakat donations for about a month. 
The leadership within Muslim Matters at the time came together and felt as if they could not accept zakat donations in good faith, largely due to the publication of this article and the viewpoints of the authors themselves. Just for the sake of transparency, Muslim Matters has collected zakat funds for only that short period of time and has not collected it outside of that at any point in its history. This article could be zakat eligible. Who accounts for this pillar of Islam? This article was originally published on June 10th, 2019, and is co-written by Ahmed Sheikh and Sheikh Usman Umarji. This narration is by Mina Malik. As writers on Muslim Matters, it came as a surprise when the website we write on marked itself zakat eligible on its fundraiser for operations in Ramadan. This website has previously highlighted the misuse and abuse of zakat for vague and dodgy reasons, including instances of outright fraud by nonprofit corporations. We have lamented the seemingly inexorable march from zakat being for living human beings in need to financial Plato for nonprofit corporate boards. Estimated global zakat is somewhere between $200 billion to $1 trillion. Eliminating global poverty is estimated at $187 billion, not just for Muslims, but for everyone. There continue to be strong interests in favor of more putty-like zakat to benefit the interests of the organizations that are not focused on reducing poverty. Thus, in many ways, a sizable chunk of zakat benefits the affluent rather than the needy. Zakat, rather than being a credit to the Muslim community, starts to look like more an indictment of it. No, it's not ikhtilaf. In the recent article on Muslim Matters by Dr. Osama al-Azmi, titled Can I Give My Zakat to an Islamic Educational Cause, originally published on May 30th, 2019, Dr. Samal Azmi seemed somewhat oblivious to the cavalier way the nonprofit corporate sector in the United States treats zakat. The article did not do justice to legitimate concerns about zakat distribution by dismissing the issue as one of ikhtilaf or a reasonable difference of opinion, as it ignored the broader concern about forces working hard to make zakat a wild west act of worship where just about anything goes. It's essential to identify the crux of the problem. Zakat has eight categories of permissible beneficiaries in the Quran. Two are various levels of poor distribution overhead. Then there are those whose hearts are to be inclined, free captives, relieve indebtedness, the wayfarer, and the cause of Allah, Fisabilillah. The category of Fisabilillah, historically, the majority of scholars have interpreted as the cost of jihad, like actual fighting. However, in recent times, Muslim nonprofit corporations, with support of learned Muslim leaders, have adopted an increasingly aggressive and vague posture that allows nearly any beneficial cause to get zakat. The concerns about the abuse of zakat and the self-serving desire by corporations to turn Fisabilillah into a wastebasket zakat category that could be incredibly broad has to do with far more than a difference of opinion or ikhtilaf about the eligibility of dawah organizations. Let's assume dawah and educational organizations are eligible to administer zakat funds. We need to know what that means in practice. What we have is a fundamental question the feasibilillah can mean virtually anything faction never manages to answer. Are there any limits to zakat usage at all? Show your work. We fully understand that in our religious practice, there is a set of rules. In Islamic inheritance, for example, 
We cannot cavalierly change the definition of what a daughter is to mean any girl you want to treat like a daughter. There is an established set of rules relating to acts of worship. For the third pillar of Islam, zakat, there seem to be no limits to the absurd-sounding questions we can ask that now seem plausible. Unfortunately, we have too many folks who invoke ikhtilaf to justify adopting almost any opinion and not enough people who are willing to explain their positions. We need a better understanding of zakat and draw the lines on when nonprofit corporations are going too far. You can be conservative and stand for zakat as an act of worship that contributes to social justice. You can have a more expansive interpretation friendly to the nonprofit corporate sector's needs to include the revenue source. Wherever you stand, if you don't provide evidence and develop detailed, uniform, and accepted principles and rules that protect those people Zakat was meant to help, you are inviting abuse and at the very least opening the door towards inequitable results. Can you feed the needy lentils and rice for $100 a meal with margins of $99 a meal going to pay salaries to provide these meals and fundraise for them? Why or why not? Can a Dawa organization purchase an $80 million jet for its CEO who can use it to travel the world to do Dawa, including places like Davos or various ski resorts? What rules exist that would prevent something like this? As far as we know, nothing at all. Section break. Bubble charity. In the United States, demographic sorting is a common issue that affects all charitable giving, not just giving by Muslims. The most affluent live in neighborhoods with other people who are generally as prosperous as they are. Certain places seem almost perversely designed to allow wealthy residents to be oblivious to the challenges of the poor. There are undeniable reasons why what counts as charity for the wealthy means giving money to the opera, the Met Gala, and Stanford University. The only real way affluent Muslims know they are supposed to care about poor people is that maybe they have a sheikh giving khutbahs talking about the need to do so and their obligation of zakat once a year or so. That is becoming a thing of the past. Now it is just care about fisabilillah. It means whatever your tender heart wants it to mean. As zakat becomes less about the poor, appeals will be for other projects with a higher amount of visibility to the affluent. Nonprofits now collect zakat for galas with celebrities. Not fundraising at the gala dinner, mind you, but merely serving dinner and entertaining rich people. Educational institutions and masajid that have dawah activities, besides everything a masjid does is feasibilillah, can be quite expensive. Getting talent to run and teach in these institutions is also costly. Since many of the people running these institutions are public figures and charismatic speakers with easy access and credibility with the affluent, it is far easier for them to get zakat funds for their projects. People who benefit from these projects because they send their children to these institutions or attend lectures themselves will naturally feel an affinity for those institutions that they won't have with the poor. Zakat will stay in their bubble. Fisabilillah. Dawa is the new jihad. Jihad, as in war carried out by a khalifa and paid for with zakat funds, is an expensive enterprise. But no society is in a permanent state of warfare, so they can work towards eliminating poverty during peacetime. Muslim communities have done this in the past. Dawah is qualitatively different from jihad as it is permanent. There was never a period in Islamic history when there was no need to do dawah. 
Many times in history, nobody was fighting jihad. There was no period of Islamic history when there was never a need for money to educate people. Of course, earlier Muslims used zakat in education in limited, defined circumstances. It is not clear why limitations no longer apply. Indeed, dawah is a broad category. For example, many people regard the Turkish costume drama Dirilis Erdogrul as dawah. Fans of the show can't stop talking about the positive effects it has had on their lives and their iman. What prevents Zakat from funding future expensive television costume dramas? Nothing, as far as we can see. No standards or accountability. Unfortunately, in the United States, there are no uniform specific standards governing Zakat. Anything goes now when previously in Islamic history there were appropriate standards. Nonprofit corporations themselves decide if they are zakat eligible or not. In some circumstances, they provide objectively comical explanations, which supporters within the corporation's bubble pretty much always swallow whole. Corporations don't have to segregate zakat eligible funds from general funds. When they do, they can make up their own rules for how and when they spend zakat. No rules make zakat indistinguishable from any other funding source since they can change their standards year after year depending on their funding needs, if they have rules at all, and nobody would be the wiser. It is exceedingly rare for these corporations to issue detailed reports on how they use zakat. The shift to meaninglessness. Organizations with platforms like the one that runs this website, Muslim Matters, are going to be eager to get on the zakat gravy train. There is no cost to slapping a zakat eligible label on yourself, either financial or social. It seems like everyone does it now. Some zakat collectors are conscientious and care about helping the poor, though they are starting to look a little old fashioned. For them, it may make sense to certify zakat administrators like halal butchers. Zakat used to be about helping discrete categories of human beings that can benefit from it. It can now mean anything you want it to mean. In the end, though, without real standards, it may mean nothing at all. Check out this article on the Muslim Matters website to see all linked articles and footnotes included. The fourth and final article included in this discussion, now that you are about as confused as you can possibly be, is Zakat Eligibility of Islamic Organizations, written by Dr. Hatim El-Hajj and published on Muslim Matters in July 2021. This article is a long read and quite dense, so hold on to your headwear and grab a sheet of paper to jot down some notes. This article is an explanation of Amja's fatwa that it is permissible to give zakat to any organization that includes protecting the interests of Islam and the Muslims, dawah, intellectual efforts, and any related projects that promote them. It then explores the technicalities of the Fisabilila category in thorough detail as a means to defend and take any curious Muslim by the hand and walk them through the fiqh issue. If you really want to know the nuts and bolts of this issue, this article will give you everything you're looking for. The article concludes with recommendations for both Muslim organizations and individuals who are giving zakat. The recommendation lists are a bit more thorough, however. A typology of positions. 
There is usually a spectrum of positions in such controversial matters. However, for simplification, I will mention the main positions concerning the scope of the category of for the cause of Allah. I will also mention the other categories that can be invoked in support of the zakat eligibility of Muslim organizations defending the cause of Islam and Muslims. There are five main positions concerning the meaning of for the cause of Allah in the following verse outlining the eligible zakat recipients. إِنَّمَا الصَّدَقَاتُ لِلْفُقَرَاءِ وَالْمَسَاكِينَ وَالْعَامِلِينَ عَلَيْهَا وَالْمُؤَلَّفَةِ قُلُوبُهُمْ وَفِي الرِّقَابِ وَالْغَارِمِينَ وَفِي سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ وَابْنِ السَّبِيلِ فَرِيضَةً مِّنَ اللَّهِ وَاللَّهُ عَلِيمٌ حَكِيمٌ Zakat expenditures are only for the poor and for the needy and for those employed to collect zakat and for bringing hearts together for Islam and for freeing captives or slaves and for those in debt and for the cause of Allah, and for the stranded traveler, an obligation imposed by Allah. And Allah is knowing and wise. Surah At-Tawbah, verse 60. Position 1. It means the fighters for the cause of Allah. We may safely say that this is a position of the majority of earlier scholars. However, when we address positions 3 and 4, we will come to realize that many of them did not strictly limit it to fighters. Position 2. Diametrically opposite this first position, we have the position that it is the apparent meaning of the phrase, all the good causes of Allah. Some have specified it as meaning all public interests of Muslims, including building and maintaining mosques and dams, shrouding the dead, teaching the Quran, supporting students of knowledge and missionaries, and so forth. This is the position reported by Imam Al-Qafal from some jurists and supported by Imams like Qadli Iyad, Ar-Razi, Al-Kasami, see details below, and Al-Tibi, and of the latter scholars by Al-Sanani, Shihab Ad-Din Al-Asusi, and Siddiq Hassan Khan, and of the scholars who died after 1900 by Al-Qasimisi, Muhammad Rashid Rida, the Grand Sheikhs of Al-Azhar, namely Mustafa Al-Maraghi, Mahmoud Shaltut, Abd al-Majid Salim, and Abdul Halim Mahmoud, and the Grand Mufti of Egypt, Muhammad Hasnain Makhlouf, whose position became the standard position of Dar al-Ifta. It is also the position chosen by Nadwat al-Iqtisad al-Islami, Islamic or Islamic Economic Forum, convened in Amman, Jordan in 1983 under the leadership of the late towering Hanafi fiqh scholar, Sheikh Mustafa Ahmed Al-Zarqa. Between these two ends of the spectrum lie the three other positions that consider this category a specific one but did not limit it to fighters. They added one or more of the following. Position 3. It includes financing the wajib hajj and umrah for those who cannot otherwise afford to go. This is the authorized Hanbali position. It is also the position of the companions Ibn Abbas, Ibn Umar, and and of Al-Hasan, Abdatabi'in, and others. Position 4. It includes the students of knowledge. This is the position of many Hanafis, as in Al-Zahiriyah and Hashiyat ibn Abidin. However, unlike the majority, the Hanafis qualify all the categories except the zakat collectors by need Al-Hajja, although ibn Abidin cites a different position that excludes students of knowledge from this and permits zakat for those of them who own a nisab. The Maliki scholar Al-Sawi 
argued that they are eligible according to Imam Malik's madhab even if they are rich because they are mujahidun. It is noteworthy here that the Shafi'is and Hanbalis consider those students of knowledge who are capable of earning eligible to receive zakat if they dedicate their time to the pursuit of learning. They do not extend the same right to those devoted to worship. They would still classify this as belonging to the category of the poor. It is obvious, however, that they are in different ways allowing the student of knowledge to receive zakat because of the ummah's need for their knowledge. Position 5. It includes all forms of jihad, including intellectual jihad through da'wah, dispelling misconceptions, and defending the religion and its people through all legitimate means. This is the position chosen by Amja in the fatwa above. It is also the position of the Islamic Fiqh Council, the second largest international fiqh assembly as declared at their 8th conference. Notably, the decision passed with an absolute majority. It is also the position of the following fiqh bodies. The Permanent Fatwa Committee of Saudi Arabia, KSA, the Fatwa Committee of Kuwait, the Kuwaiti Zakat House, the Kuwaiti Ministry of Endowments, and the Supreme Council for Islamic Affairs in Egypt. It is also the position of the following notable contemporary scholars. The Grand Muftis of KSA, Muhammad ibn Ibrahim and Abdul Aziz ibn Baz, Sheikh Yusuf al-Qaradawi, Sheikh Abdul Karim Zaydan, Sheikh Abdullah Nasih Ulwan, Sheikh Omar Suleiman Al-Ashqar, Sheikh Abdullah Al-Muslih, Sheikh Salah Al-Sawi, among many others. It is important to mention here that all of the supporters of position 2 would, a fortiori, support this narrower spectrum of eligible recipients. Is this category the only one invoked in supporting the zakat eligibility of Muslim organizations defending the cause of Islam and Muslims? The short answer to this is no. We have scholars of the past and present who extended, via analogy, the category of zakat collectors to those serving the public interests of the community. They also cited textual evidence in support of their position. This was reported by Abu Ubaid and understood from the chapter headings of Al-Bukhari in his Sahih. Some scholars, like Iyad and others, understood it from the insistence in which the Prophet ﷺ used zakat money to pay for the blood money of a man of the Ansar, about whose death the Jews were accused. In fact, Ibn Rushd pointed out how mainstream this position was when he stated, those who permitted it for the collector, even when wealthy, permitted it as well for judges and others like them, whose services are of benefit to the Muslim public. It is also reasonable to pay students of knowledge who staff many of those organizations for their dedication to learning and research, based on the large number of earlier scholars who allowed that, even if those students are capable of earning a living. It is also reasonable to pay the organizations who defend the legal rights of Muslims under the category of riqab, based on the view that extends the meaning of this term to include freeing the captives and paying bail for the unjustly imprisoned. As we said before, the Malikis and Hanbalis still consider the category of those whose hearts are to be reconciled, operative, and applicable to non-Muslims. Major Islamic organizations may use some zakat funds to lobby policymakers or support some of them to protect the legitimate interests of the Muslim community. Any research on the uses of this category in the Hanbali madhab, for instance, would lead to this conclusion. Evidence cited for the expansion of the category of For the Cause of Allah while it is extremely unlikely that all these scholars mentioned above and others would uphold a baseless view, it is still important to show their evidence if we are arguing for the defensibility of their position. Here are some. From the Qur'an, 
The Quran does not always use Fisabilillah for the cause of Allah to refer to jihad. A simple search would yield this conclusion. And with respect to spending in particular, there is also the following verse that infers that it is not restricted to that cause. Allah says, O you who have believed, indeed many of the scholars and the monks devour the wealth of people unjustly and avert them from the way of Allah. And those who hoard gold and silver and spend it not in the way of Allah give them tidings of a painful punishment. Surah At-Tawbah verse 34. A'udhu billahi min shaytan rajim Ya ayyuhalladhina amanu inna kathiran min al-ahbari wal-ruhbani layakuluna amwala al-nasi bil-batli wa yasudduna an sabilillah wal-ladhina yaknizuna al-zahaba wal-fidrata wala yunfiqunaha fi sabilillah fabashirhum bi'adhabin alim According to the majority, one may give all of his or her zakat to any recipient. If for the cause of Allah, here means only the fighters, all those who are not giving their zakat to fighters would deserve that severe torment. Allah says, فَلَا الْكَافِرِينَ So do not obey the disbelievers and strive against them with the Qur'an a great striving. This verse can be cited by those who expand the concept of jihad to include intellectual jihad from the sunnah. The sunnah also does not limit fi sabilillah for the cause of Allah exclusively to jihad. It is used in the context of a variety of good causes, including hajj and umrah, seeking knowledge, and even providing for oneself or one's family. And with respect to spending in particular, the sunnah also used the term to refer to other good causes. Umm Ma'qil narrated, when the Messenger of Allah وسلم, performed the farewell pilgrimage and we had a camel, Abu Ma'qil dedicated it for the cause of Allah. Then we suffered from a disease and Abu Ma'qil died. The Prophet وسلم, went out for hajj. When he finished the hajj, I came to him. He asked, Umm Ma'qil, what prevented you from coming out for hajj along with us? She replied, we resolved to do so, but Abu Maqil died. We had a camel on which we could perform hajj, but Abu Maqil had bequeathed it for the cause of Allah. He, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, responded, Why did you not go out for hajj upon it? For hajj is in the cause of Allah. While the hadith indicates that the prevalent use of the phrase for the cause of Allah was for fighting, it shows, along with other texts, that it does not refer exclusively to that. Like the Qur'an, the sunnah attests to the intellectual jihad being a form of jihad. Of these traditions is the Prophet ﷺ saying, Jahidul mushrikina bi amwalikum wa anfusikum wa alsinatikum. Use your property, your persons, and your tongues in striving against the polytheists. From the companions. As we said before, Ibn Abbas, Ibn Umar, and Hudlaifa all considered Hajj to be included in the category of Fisabilillah with respect to spending. The Hanbalis may argue that none of the companions contested this opinion, showing that this type of spending is included by their tacit consensus in this category. Those who expand it further may argue that, by the consensus of the companions, this category was not limited to the fighters. From the language, the apparent meaning of this phrase in the language is, for the cause of Allah. It includes all good causes that draw us closer to Allah. This has been acknowledged by linguists and exegetes, mufassirin alike. It was argued that when there is no clear takhsis or specification of the meaning of the verse in the revelation, 
language, or urf, common usage, its general purports should be upheld. Analogy. One may argue that analogy has no place in rulings on acts of worship. However, this, while somewhat true, is not an absolute principle. Any student of fiqh knows they applied to comprehensible rulings in the sphere of worship as well. There are examples mentioned above. Ibn Rushd's statement about the fuqaha widening the scope of the collectors via analogy is one. Rational evidence. Most of the struggle in our times is intellectual, and enormous resources are needed for da'wah and dispelling misconceptions about the religion. Additionally, in the current era, countries have standing armies, and they are not soliciting zakat for them. We often hear people say that we need homegrown scholars who understand the realities of our nascent Muslim community in the West in general and North America in particular. I have found that many of the foreign muftis truly appreciate the needs of our communities, including the imperative to establish institutions that serve the interests of the religion and its followers, and they agree that zakat money may be used to secure such great need. For example, you will find the fatwa agency of Bayt al-Zakat al-Kuwaiti, one of the most active in researching this area of the law and largely conservative in its opinions, making several distinctions between Muslim majorities and minorities, allowing the expenditure of zakat for da'wah and even for the building of masjids within the context of the latter. Those who argue that money will be diverted from fighting poverty may be overestimating the trend of supporting Islamic organizations from zakat money. We have no reliable statistics or studies to support such a claim. Even if the money that was typically sent from Muslim communities in the West to their fellow Muslims overseas is now partly diverted to fund legitimate local causes, this may be a result of the changing demographics of the community. We have more members of the faith now who are native to the West. They may have fewer ties to the majority Muslim homelands, and they may also have a greater interest in establishing thriving organizations. Many Earlier emigrants did not even want to buy graves in their new countries because they always planned to go back home. The fact that voluntary charity by the community is not sufficient to support all of its essential needs is acknowledged by most leaders of these communities. Zakat money has contributed greatly to the goals of serving the common interests of Islam and Muslims. This is attested to even by those overseas observing from a distance. How could we blame someone for giving a portion of their zakat to the organization they believe brought them back to Islam or to practicing it? We must understand that da'wah is the best way to cultivate donors. What we need to do is not to contest this concession, but rather to remind Muslim organizations and donors of the importance of zakat and other forms of charity and appropriate zakat stewardship. I hope that people who read this segment will find that the judicious expansion of the category of Fisabilillah for the cause of Allah to include all forms of intellectual struggle is supported by the Lawahir, apparent meanings of the text, and has been upheld by scores of notable ulama of the past and present, and that if someone chose another position as Rajih, weightier, they should be able to find this one as Sa'ir, defensible or excusable. This would mean refraining from inkar condemnation of it and of those who uphold it. The difficulty of establishing stringent guidelines. Some people express concern about the brevity of Amja's fatwa and the lack of guidelines. I must begin by saying that the fatwa committee of Amja would have provided a more detailed answer to the question if it were putting forth an unprecedented position. It is not. It is a position that has been largely mainstreamed by fiqh bodies, fatwa agencies, and individual scholars. While there is extensive research on the subject, oftentimes their fatwas were as brief as Amja's or even briefer. 
Excessive regulations, unless warranted and supported by evidence, can cause more harm. People must be trusted to some extent in the phase of application. This applies to many areas of the law. Giving women a list of colors they cannot wear would be fraught with arbitrariness, lack of evidence, and inconsistency. Telling them to avoid colors that bring attention to them can be justified with much more ease. The extreme regulation of things that are meant to be left to the conscientiousness of humankind causes atrophy of that faculty. Guidelines, even arbitrary ones, by the recipient organizations are welcome. Stringent or exclusionary guidelines cannot be established by a mufti or a fatwa agency because the following legal principles may be invoked against them. Separating between equals and the a fortiori argument. Many of the arbitrary guidelines laid down by organizations for public assurance cannot be demanded by fatwa agencies because they are legally and sometimes rationally incoherent, separating between equals or prioritizing for no good reason what is less important. When we say that giving da'wah to others is part of intellectual jihad, some may say that preserving one's capital takes priority over making profit. Thus, financing Islamic schools from the zakat funds to protect the deen of our offspring should take priority over da'wah when such schools cannot otherwise survive. This is why the fatwa agency of the Kuwaiti Ministry of Endowments, Sheikh Abdul Halim Mahmoud, Sheikh Yusuf Al-Qaradawi, and others argued that zakat may be given to finance them. Giving da'wah to Muslims in a small village in Egypt may not look like a form of intellectual jihad. But da'wah to those Muslims at risk of losing their religion because of societal pressures or non-Muslim missionary efforts may be an eligible cause. And that is why the fatwa agency of Beit al-Zakat al-Kuwaiti ruled that da'wah among Muslim minorities would be eligible for zakat under the seventh category, Fisabilillah. The same or more could be said about building a masjid in a town or neighborhood of an indigenous community when it could not otherwise be built. It can always be argued that masajid should be built from the cream of the crop of our wealth not from the impurities we seek to cleanse ourselves of by paying zakat. But what if they cannot be built? This is exactly what Sheikh Shaltut argued when he said that a mosque should not be built from zakat money except when it cannot otherwise be built, in which case it is permissible. This is Amja's position as well. The means to wajib are wajib, and the means take the rulings of the ends. Another way to phrase it is, that which is necessary for the fulfillment of wajib is wajib. Of course, this principle applies when such means are attainable by the mukallaf or responsible agent. This principle can make the distinction between buying desks and chairs and paying researchers a risky one. That is why the Permanent Fatwa Committee of KSA allowed the use of zakat money by dawah organizations in the UK for buying a building and maintaining it as well as paying its electricity bills and so forth. If one says that zakat money may be used to support orphans, but it cannot be used to build orphanages, this argument may be invoked against them. This is why Beit al-Zakat of Kuwait allowed its use for the building of orphanages, particularly for Muslim minorities. Recommendations for Muslim organizations and individual donors. Based on the foregoing, there are a few guidelines to keep in mind. Recommendations for recipient organizations. Organizations may have their own additional guidelines to demonstrate to themselves and others their good stewardship of the zakat money. Here are some of the most obvious. 1. When an organization has several activities, they should direct their zakat money to those that are eligible if they desire to follow one of the middle positions 4 and or 5. 2. Organizations should be transparent about their finances. 
Those who will earn the people's trust are those that achieve the expected level of transparency, particularly in a country like the USA, where there are established ethics of transparency concerning the conduct of nonprofit organizations. 3. Zakat money should not be used for anything extravagant or unwarranted. When in doubt, avoid using it. Nothing is like safety. The objective is to defend the cause of Islam and Muslims, and while the means to wajib are wajib and the means to take the rulings of the ends, it is particularly indicated in such controversial matters that we do not widen the scope of the means or consider the most distant means to be zakat eligible. No fixed rules can be placed there because of the infinite scenarios, but our conscientious stewardship of zakat money is essential. 4. Organizations that use zakat money should have an objective mechanism to evaluate the salaries of their employees and avoid any conflict of interest. If they desire to abide by the one Hanafi position, for instance, that gives zakat only to those who are needy, including students of knowledge or researchers, they may give them what is enough to keep them above the poverty line. Traditionally, Nislab was considered to represent that line. If the organizations follow the position of the majority, they will pay their employees at market value, not more. Of course, such value is commensurate with their training and skills. 5. Over-decorating the masjids is disliked. Charitable donations, even voluntary donations, should not be used to adorn the mosque except for a small amount that is customarily considered acceptable, that will not distract the worshippers, and which is not considered extravagant. 6. Our mosques should be built using the purest of our wealth, not zakat money. The only exception is in indigenous communities or small towns where a masjid cannot otherwise be built. A masjid that is in debt can receive zakat money to pay off its debts. 7. Those mosques that use zakat money to support their dawah program should be truly active in reaching out to non-Muslims and Muslims who are distant. These funds should not be used to simply support a halaqa for the regular masjid community. 8. Islamic schools that decide to accept zakat money should have the wealthy pay full tuition. This will largely funnel the zakat money toward those already deserving of zakat because of their need. 9. All organizations that are capable of gradually weaning themselves from dependency on zakat money should attempt to do that, so as to avoid controversy. They should diversify their sources of income and, most importantly, develop alqaf for long-term stability. Recommendations for Donors Abu Hurairah anhu, narrated, The Messenger of Allah وسلم, said, A man from amongst the people before you said, Indeed, I will give in charity. So he took his sadaqah out and placed it in a thief's hand. In the morning, the people were talking about this incident and saying, Sadaqah was given to a thief last night. The man said, Oh Allah, praise be to you. I have given sadaqah to a thief. Indeed, I will give in charity. So he took his sadaqah out and placed it in a prostitute's hand. In the morning, the people were talking about this incident and saying, Sadaqah was given to a prostitute last night. On hearing this, the man said, Praise be to you, O Allah, I gave sadaqah to a prostitute. Indeed, I will give in charity. So he took his sadaqah out and placed it in a rich man's hand. In the morning, the people were talking about this incident and saying, Sadaqah was given to a rich man last night. The man said, Oh Allah, praise be to you for helping me give charity to a thief, a prostitute, and a rich man. Then he had a dream in which he was told that his sadaqah to the thief 
might result in his refraining from theft. His sadaqah to the prostitute might help her abstain from immorality. And his sadaqah to the rich man might help him pay heed and spend from what Allah had bestowed upon him. I decided to start with this hadith, despite it not directly serving the purpose of this segment, because moderation is always good, even in preaching. There is no need to cause unwarranted anxiety. People need to learn about Allah's fairness and mercy. Having said that, it is still the obligation of the donor to be thoughtful in giving their zakat. Here are some suggestions for donors. 1. As a donor, I should learn about the cause I'm supporting and the organization I am patronizing. I would favor transparent organizations that are truly and effectively defending the cause of Islam and Muslims. 2. Also, according to the Shafiris, zakat must be equally divided between the eight categories of recipients. If one category cannot be found, then it should be equally divided between the remaining seven. While we uphold the position of the majority, it must be said that it would be favorable to include several categories in your giving of zakat. 3. Moreover, the first two categories mentioned in the verse above about the recipients are the most deserving. They should never be neglected. They are the only ones mentioned in the hadith of Mu'adh when the Prophet ﷺ said to him, And if they obey you, tell them that Allah has made the payment of zakat obligatory upon them. It should be collected from their rich and distributed among their poor. Al-Bukhari and Muslim. 4. Finally, the affluent people of this ummah must be reminded of the virtue of voluntary charity. In fact, all of us must remind ourselves of that virtue. A'udhu billahi min shaitan rajim. Fattaqu allaha mastata'atum. Wasma'u. Wa ati'u. Wa anfiqu khayran li anfusikum. Wa man yuqa shuhha nafsihi. Fa'ula'ika humul muflihun. So fear Allah as much as you are able and listen and obey and spend in charity for the benefit of your own soul. And whoever is saved from the stinginess of their soul, it is those who will be the successful. Surah At-Taghabun, verse 16. Notes. All footnotes are hyperlinked and can be accessed by clicking on the numeral. There are many footnotes in this article, so it would be best to check this out online at muslimmatters.org. We at Muslim Matters hope you have enjoyed and benefited from this intense back and forth in the conversation about whether Muslim nonprofit organizations should be receiving zakat and what valuable guardrails we can put in place. If nothing else, I hope that we can all walk away from this discussion learning two things. The first, there are legitimate opinions on the seventh category of feasibilillah that differ from each other in big and small ways, and all that demands of the average Muslim is respect for our scholars and critical thinkers. It can also make us grateful as Muslims to be part of such a nuanced and expansive legal system. The second is receiving and giving zakat is an important part of our spiritual lives, which has real-world impacts. Decisions should be made carefully and with consideration. A list of all the recommendations made in all the articles is compiled for you to reference on our website, muslimmatters.org. Please use that as you are paying your zakat this Ramadan if you are giving to an organization in the dawah space. 
although Muslim Matters is not accepting zakat this year, we will gladly accept your sadaqah. Please donate to Muslim Matters, the most widely read online Muslim magazine, this Ramadan, if you learn from this conversation. It is only with reader and listener support that we were able to pay for this project on zakat and fund others like this in the future. Hop onto your computers and leave us comments on the article posted with this podcast and tell us what your thoughts are about this conversation. This is Mia Malik and I'm signing off. Assalamu alaikum. Hey everyone, don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and follow us online on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram on our handle Muslim Matters. And check out our site daily at MuslimMatters.org. Thanks for listening and we'll see you in the next one, inshallah. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.